This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Colorado and Rochester have both won four straight and are the hottest teams in the NLL right now. Dylan Ward and Kyle Jackson will join us this week. Ryan Banesh joined the 900-point club, becoming just the 12th player to ever do so. And what a weekend it was, as all three NLL games were decided by just one goal. All that and more on OTCB. What is going on, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for stopping by on a Tuesday or whenever you get to listen to this. If you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can quite easily. Teddy.Jenner at gmail.com is the email. At Off the Crossbar is where I always am on Twitter. A crazy week in the NLL. Uh, as you all know, all three games decided by one goal, two by eight, seven scorelines, and two go to overtime. Colorado clinches a playoff spot. Still have Saskatchewan in their reach for a chance at first in the NLL West. Ryan Banesh joins the 900-point club. There were highlights after highlights after highlights after highlights in what was one of the most entertaining weekends of the entire season. But when we only have three games, sometimes, you know, three games, but you get those three games, everybody can focus on all three games. And we were treated to some fantastic lacrosse. Five games on the schedule this week, two Friday, two Saturday, and a matinee game in Georgia on Sunday. As things start to heat up all across the National Lacrosse League. I think that's an understatement. Heating up. Because it has been red hot all season long. Two games separate first through fifth in the NLL East. The West, a little more wide open. The demise of the Vancouver Stealth playoff hopes could take another blow this weekend as they'll play Colorado at home. Calgary will have a chance to create more gap between them and Vancouver as they'll face Rochester at home. And everybody in the East is just trying to keep their head above water and stay within the little window that is one game separating third through fifth. It's crazy how close the the East is. We have seen years in past where there's been tight races, but I think this could be the tightest we've seen. Flipping, flopping from third to first, from second to fourth, in the playoffs to out of the playoffs. Sometimes you don't even have to play, and you can drop out of the playoffs just like that. And you cannot... Go into the playoffs on a losing streak and have that momentum not be on your side. Crazy enough, only three teams have winning streaks right now. Sorry, four teams have winning streaks right now. New England, Rochester, Saskatchewan, and Colorado. Every other team's coming off losses. Most teams, multiple losses. Buffalo, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, all on some sort of a losing streak. And those need to snap quickly for playoff hopes to be kept alive. So where should we start from this past weekend? Well, why don't we start in Rochester, where the Nighthawks and Swarm went to battle in what was a great opening salvo for the weekend. It set the tone. A back-and-forth game that had everything in it, except a fight. That's okay. We don't need fights in every game. Every so often is good, but just not every game. We'll hear from Kyle Jackson momentarily, but let's break down this Rochester-Georgia game real quick, shall we? It was a very close game to start, 2-1 Georgia after the first. Rochester started to find their groove in the second, and then 
They had a bit of a lead, 9-6 after three, until Georgia would outscore the Nighthawks 4-1, including four straight goals in the opening nine minutes of the fourth quarter to get themselves back in the game. And I asked this question to Kyle Jackson. You'll hear his answer, and this kind of sums it up. The depth of scoring and balance of scoring out of the Rochester front gate right now is fantastic. They are getting goals from everybody, not just the veterans. The play of Austin Shanks has been wonderful. I really like watching how Eric Fennell has adjusted to the NLL. And the addition of Frank Brown, who was signed either on game day or the day before by Rochester, is a nice addition to the back end. And what can you say about Jake Withers? He probably won't win Rookie of the Year. But he is having a fantastic season at the faceoff dot. He went 14 for 23, continues to lead the entire league in faceoff percentage, and he has adjusted himself very well. Some people questioned, I think I might have been one of them, whether he would be able to adjust to the NLL rules from the NCAA. People quickly shut me down and said he would be fine. Well, he has been just fine. And I know teams are already having to scout around his dominance at the dot, trying to figure out what's the best way to play it to not allow him to be as effective. Some teams will just shut off and let that draw guy pick it up and see what he can do with it. Well, unfortunately, Jake Withers has the ability to pick that ball up, go the other way, and score a goal. That's what makes him so dangerous. And there are some faceoff guys that are more defensive-minded, They want to get that ball, move it to the O guys, get off the floor. But Jake Withers loves to play in the front end. And he scored a wonderful goal in that game. And just really compliments everything else with that offense. You're getting two from Josh Courier, two from Fennell, singles from Shanks, Reza Terrence, and Withers. Six points from Jammer. And then the overtime winner, the only goal he scored, Kyle Jackson made sure it was a good one. Reza Terrence up the floor. Down the near boards. We're in overtime, tied at 10. Reza Terrence. Now to Kyle Jackson. Shooting scores! Kyle Jackson wins it in overtime. And the Nighthawks have won four in a row. 11-10 victory. My good buddy Craig Rubzinski with the overtime call from the BCA. And the Jackson goal was a emphatic point on the end of a four-game winning streak for this club. They have a huge game coming up this weekend in Calgary, and it will keep that momentum going forward. If they lose that game, uh, their position in the East falters. They go on the road. They may not have that swagger and that confidence But now, they're going into the Rough Dome. The Rough Dome? I just called it the Rough Dome. Um, It's a cross between the Rough House and the Saddle Dome. It's a thing. So they're going into the Rough House Saturday night to take on the Rough Necks. With that confidence and that swagger and that belief that they are one of the top teams in the entire National Cross League. They are excited to get on the road. They are excited for this contest. And as Kyle Jackson will let us know, this is a great opportunity for this club to become even tighter. So when I spoke with KJ47, he was currently on a bus back from Baltimore with the kids from the Hill Academy. They, the junior team had just finished their spring trip, and he was gracious enough to take his eyes away from the video screen and give us a little chat. So our first conversation is about spring trip with the hill it was great the senior team looking really good we beat Loyola Blakefield yesterday um our JV's also beat Loyola Blakefield our U16 team uh, we beat North Holt Academy and a couple other big singing teams uh, down in North Carolina and then lost um, one heartbreaker at the end but then our JV team went undefeated so awesome. the teams are doing really well and uh it's been good so far how many kids combined on the three teams you guys have? 
Uh, the three teams involved, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea the exact number, but um, our JV team, we have probably 12, 13 guys. Um, yeah. And then the other teams are kind of just spaced out. Some of the U16 guys go up and play with their team. Team, so we're kind of all over the place. Did you go to the Hill Academy? Is that how you got involved with them? I, yep, I went there for two years. I went my grade 12 and PG year. Um, and then, I mean, obviously came back right after. I kept in communication with Brody. Yeah. Um, so my, the course of my university career. And, uh, I'm fortunate enough now to even play with them uh, with Boston, with the Cannons. Uh, Absolutely. And then work alongside them. How was your experience at the Hill Academy? Because everybody I've talked to has just raved about it. It's, it was awesome. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the Hill. And I uh, owe them a tremendous amount of respect for putting me in the position that I am today. And, uh, yeah, I would never change anything for the world. Um, I'm just looking on your website, k47lacrosse.com. Are, are you really the dean of students? Yeah, dean of students, lacrosse coach. Uh, and then I also do like some of the filming and whatnot involved with the school. So a variety of roles. Yeah, but, but dean of students seems like a very suit and tie, kind of the mean guy from the movies kind of role. I get to deal with a lot of the disciplinary issues, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, not always the nice guy at school, but it's a job and it is what it is. How was Michigan as, as a college to go to? Because it was a very, fairly new program when you got there, yeah? Yeah, I, I knew that in the recruiting process I wanted to go to a school that was not well-established. Um, I went to the Hill, obviously, and at the time they were just kind of getting into the groove of things, and I wanted to go build a program. So sure. Michigan being so close to home, only an hour and a half away, was a perfect fit for me. And from a school to academic to lifestyle standpoint, there's, there was no better school in the entire country for me to go to. I remember talking with some guys when I was in college, and, and they were at like place like Ohio State and, and some of the bigger colleges, and just the amount of people. It's like a small city. Did you get that feeling at Michigan that it was just a, a massive group of people stuck in one little area? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the city of Ann Arbor is the, the university. It is the campus. So yeah. as big as it is, it's very confined to not your clicks, but your particular. I mean, all the athletes are together 24-7. And, um, you kind of – it feels very small, whereas it is a huge university yeah. with over, I think, 56,000 undergrad students, something like that. So, <laughs> Wow. Uh, how many football games did you get to? Because that's got to be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I went to all of them my freshman year, and then as the years progressed, I kind of spaced them out and went to the games that I wanted to go to, but yeah. the football games were unbelievable. The hockey and basketball was by far my favorite, yeah. uh, just because the atmosphere was so much different. The football games are obviously out of this world, but the other two events, basketball and uh, hockey, were just you know, so much closer to the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wolverines, how are they going to do in the, in the big dance coming up here in March Madness? I think... Yeah, I think they're going to do well. I mean, they've got a, a solid team, and they're kind of pulling their wins together when they needed to, and coming down the stretch with a Big Ten title, I mean, that's what you need going into the, into the tournament. Absolutely. Let's focus on uh, your Rochester Nighthawks, one of the two teams that have won four straight games. Uh, what's it like being in that locker room right now with the confidence of that group? It's awesome. I mean, everyone in that, in that group believes in one another, and we have the whole year. It's just been at the beginning of the year when we were blowing out teams first two games, everything was clicking for us. And then slowly those shots that we were taking weren't falling and we weren't getting the bounces that we needed. But then we just stayed with the process, stayed, stayed true to what we believed in. And finally things are starting to click for us again. Having Jammer back has helped, but a balanced offense has really been a key for you guys out the front door. And that's the biggest thing, with balanced offense. It's just offense by committee, moving the ball, swinging the ball, and nobody at the end of the day cares who gets their points. It's two points at the end of the day is all that we really care about. Obviously, a big OT win over Georgia. You had the game winner in OT. Um, three one-goal games over the entire weekend. Is that parity, or is it just every team is that good? I think every team is that good. I mean, you see it in the East, especially. Everyone is so close. You lose one game and you're at the bottom of the pack. You win one game, you're right back into the swing of things. So mm -hmm. uh, everyone in this league is, is phenomenal, and the East is an absolute battle right now.
you guys have, have come a long way, and, and what's Mike Hayes been preaching to you guys all throughout this winning streak? Just trust. Trust in the yeah. process. Trust in one another. Trust in the coaching staff. At the end of the day, we know that the ball's going to be in the right sticks. We're going to make the right plays, and just trusting in, in one another is going to, going to help us ultimately succeed at the end of the day. How do you feel about your game right now? Obviously, your rookie season, you kind of took the NLL by storm, and, and now you're settling into your sophomore season. How do you feel about your compete level and, and where your game's at? I, I, I mean, I have a long way to go, but I'm definitely comfortable in my role. I know, I mean, obviously being a rookie is a little bit different. You don't want to step on too many toes. You don't necessarily yeah. know where you're supposed to fit in. But this year, being a second-year guy, I know my role. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's just made the transition a whole lot easier. Obviously, you talked about how close the West is. A uh, big game for you guys against the Calgary Roughnecks on the road. Uh, always a fun time to get to Calgary and play, and play in an environment like that. But how cool is it for you guys to be having success right now, especially uh, going into a key part of the season? Uh, yeah, it's, it's huge for us. And it's, ultimately, this road trip is going to be awesome for our group because we all really love being around one another. And yeah. um, getting to only hang out on the weekends almost isn't enough for us. We wish we could do a little bit more, but... Um, it's going to be great to go down there, hang out with the guys. And I have never played in Calgary. Obviously, we didn't play there last year, so it's a new environment for me. But um, I know the entire group is extremely excited to just get down there and be together. Are we going to expect some uh, KJ47 blogs to come out of this one? Uh, potentially, I think so. I mean, I took a little bit of a hiatus with the vlogs uh, around the around the team with our losing streak and whatnot, just trying to put some stuff together but not yeah. uh not be around everyone too much with the camera but maybe, maybe this trip we'll see, we'll see how things go how did you get involved in that is that something you've always wanted to do because i think it's something that not a lot of guys are doing you know paul rabel does it quite a bit you started doing it um how did you get involved with just doing uh some vlogs yeah i've always wanted to do it and it's always been something that i've had a passion for but just never really had the ultimately the courage to just do because it is tough to just sit there on the camera and talk to that and put yeah. that out to the entire world. But at the same time, um, it's building a brand and building a network for yourself and branching out and ultimately gaining more resources um, and helping try to grow the game of lacrosse. That's my biggest thing. Show everyone <laughs> an insight as to what it's like. Yeah. How is your brand going, the K47 brand? It's going pretty well. My ultimate goal is to take my summers and coach and grow the game and do as many lessons as possible and um, so far with the vlogs and the website and all that other stuff it's it's taken off exactly how i wanted it to i knew it was going to be a slow process but um it's definitely worth the time and energy there's kyle jackson of the rochester nighthawks big blue alum and you heard him say that while going to a michigan football game is the spectacle Basketball and hockey are where it's at, and I can respect that because, sure, going to a football stadium with 110,000 or whatever it is would just be incredible. Like, what a moment and just the energy that's got to be in that stadium. But when you get rabid hockey fans and basketball fans with the roof on top, like in an arena that keeps the sound inside and reflects it back into the playing surface, and you get the college fans and the college atmosphere of athletics, that's when your skin starts to stand on edge and your hair stand up and you just feel the energy and the vibrations in the place. Still on my list to to go to a game in Michigan and see that football stadium. Just kind of like Ohio State. Any massive NCAA College Football Stadium would be pretty sweet to go and check out. And Kyle Jackson, a proud alumni of the U of M, first University of Michigan player to be drafted to the pros, uh, both in the NLL and the MLL. And he's fit right in with the Rochester Nighthawks and continues to put up points. And after a first rookie season where he was very successful and kind of took the league by storm and everyone, not that he came out of nowhere, um, But the season that he had was just uh, a little surprising for some. But his style and his gameplay and his IQ uh, fits nicely with the style of Cody Jamison and that Rochester offense. So thanks to Kyle for hopping 
on the show. You can check out his website, k47lacrosse.com, or go to YouTube and just type in Kyle Jackson, and you could subscribe to his YouTube channel and check out all of his vlogs that are up there. And the kid does a ton of content. And, yeah, you know, he says it's fun, and sometimes guys are a little reluctant to talk or be natural when the camera's in their face or around, and I can attest to that. Um, I always was told by guys to beat it when I had the camera around, and I was trying to film stuff or get content to do anything. Um, but while they joke and are a little bit serious, everybody loves to kind of have the camera around. They just don't want to get caught looking the fool. But Kyle does a wonderful job with his vlogs. Um, you know, Paul Rabel kind of really took it to a whole nother level uh, with his YouTube channel. But I think what Kyle's doing is wonderful. And I would really like to see more guys take the time to not only put that stuff out there, but really learn how to do that stuff. Learn how to edit video and cut up stuff and use the different social media outlets other than just, you know, Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram. By creating a brand like Kyle was talking about, um, he has a website, he has a blog, he has a vlog, he has personal training, um, he does coaching, all the things that he does. That's his brand. And that is what makes superstar athletes multimillionaires. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, we know Rabel is the first quote-unquote millionaire lacrosse player, but that's all because of his brand. And the more guys that do that, there is bigger reaches than just inside the small NLL bubble. So check out some of the stuff that uh, KJ's done. Again, Kyle Jackson on YouTube, k47lacrosse.com is his website. A uh, lot of good content out there, and you learn little nuggets. Like, I had no idea he was the dean of students. Think of all the college movies you've seen. Show me one movie that's got a cool dean. You fellas have a good time last night. Yeah, I think there might be some uh, whippets or something lying around if you want. Uh, no, thanks. I'm working. Working what? Campus patrol? <laughs> Try again. What are you, a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dean. Dean Pritchard. Yeah. And as of this morning, this house has been rezoned. Yeah. It is now exclusively for campus use only. What are you talking about? You can't just do that. I've already paid the first and last month's rent. Take a look at that. You have a week to vacate the premises, and I thank you for your cooperation. Great. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely not. It's been good seeing you guys. It looks like you're doing great. Now, I don't think Kyle Jackson's walking around in a shirt-tie-sweater-vest combo. However... I think it's great that uh, he gives back to the Hill Academy. I think it's great that he's not only a part of the lacrosse program, but the academics as well, because I think that's one of the things that makes schools like the Hill Academy so important, be that, that it's not just focused on the academics or just the lacrosse. It is student-athlete, student first, athlete second, and they do a wonderful job of not only preparing their students for the next adventure the next challenge but they make sure that they are ready for everything both mentally physically and academically you name it so thanks to kyle for stopping by always good catching up with kyle so thanks to him for stopping by uh, and best of luck to the rochester nighthawks the rest of the way that is of course unless they face the colorado mammoth which they will do in about two weeks time three weeks time end of the month uh, as the Mammoth do a doubleheader in Toronto and Rochester on back-to-back -back nights. And I do plan on being there. So looking forward to seeing a lot of old friends and familiar faces in Roch Vegas come the end of the month. So that's the first game of the weekend. That was Rochester, Georgia. And it started us off on a great foot. And then everybody turned west and their eyes focused on the Loud House as Colorado and Calgary went toe-to-toe -to -toe in a fantastic West Division matchup. And there were more goals scored in the first quarter than there were the rest of the game. 
15 all told, eight of them scored in a 5-3 first quarter in favor of the Mammoth. And I remember calling that game with both Jamie Shuchuk and the legend John Grant, who was uh, fantastic in co-color rules, that at 5-3, I was thinking, man, this may not be a good night for the goaltenders. And then both defenses completely shut things down. And Christian Del Bianco and Dylan Ward were amazing in that game. And one of the things you can take away from all three games from this weekend is that all six goaltenders were playing some unbelievable lacrosse between the pipes. Funny side story. uh, John Harnett tweeted out uh, after the Toronto game in the afternoon on Sunday that it was great for him to see six former teammates going toe-to-toe between the pipes. And I had to think about it for a second. But yes, indeed, he has played with all six goaltenders. He played with Dylan Ward in junior. He played with Christian Del Bianco in Calgary. Mike Poulin in Calgary. He played with Nick Rose in Boston. And I believe in junior as well. He played with Aaron Bold and Matt Vince in Victoria. And he played with Poulin in Calgary. So uh, pretty cool little six-way connection there between John Harnett and and that goaltender union on the weekend. But the game between the Mammoth and Calgary uh, had a lot on the line. It was the third game of the season series between the two, so playoff tiebreaker was up for grabs. The Mammoth, with a win, would have clinched a playoff spot. Calgary, with a win, would have gotten a little bit closer to Colorado for the number two spot in the West. And it had that playoff-like feel. And it had a playoff-like atmosphere as over 15,000 packed the Pepsi Center to watch that game. And it was funny because earlier that afternoon, the Avalanche had played and won. The night before, the Nuggets had played and won. So there was a little concern that there might not be as good a crowd for the third pro event of the weekend at the Pepsi Center. But it might have been the biggest crowd of all three. It's also been the second straight big attendance number for the Colorado Mammoth. As two weeks ago, they had another huge crowd on hand, which was, I believe, the largest of the year in the National Cross League. So good little upticks for the Colorado Mammoth in the past couple games, especially on back-to-back weekends. Uh, it's not often their their crowds do too well, especially with closely packed games. So the atmosphere and the energy and everything that was going on inside that arena on Saturday night just led up to what was a phenomenal game. And while we watched the offensive players take toll on the defense in the first quarter, uh, the rest of the way was the goalies, the defense, and some unbelievable plays by everybody. Christian Del Bianco was on his game. Of course, Dylan Ward played wonderfully between the pipes, making 44 saves. And to watch those two guys go back and forth, um, if you watched NLL Relax this week, I believe Tyson Geick was the one who said that Dylan Ward is the now, Christian Del Bianco is the future, and that the two guys are 1A and 1B for goalie of the year this year. I could kind of get behind that. Del Bianco leads the National Lacrosse League in save percentage and goals against average. He has a .813 save percentage and a 9.57 goals against average. Yes, he's played a couple hundred minutes less than the minutes leader in Mike Poulin, but the body of work... And the way that that Roughnecks defense plays in front of him, you have to give Christian Del Bianco a lot of credit for what he's done between the pipes for the Roughnecks. It's taken him a while, but he's earned that number one spot, and he has been incredible. But unfortunately, just one save shy of helping his team steal a victory in Colorado. And at the other end was Dylan Ward, who is our second guest this week on the podcast. And Dylan is a longtime friend of the show. And his team 
much like Kyle Jackson's team, has won four straight games. And he was also witness to a very special moment two weekends ago when Steve Fryer was between the pipes and got his first career start and his first career victory. And so when I caught up with Dylan, he was just getting prepared for Rock Canyon High School lacrosse. And I asked him, through this four-game winning streak, is this the best his team has looked all year long? I think so. I mean, you know, we, uh, you know, we're we're not we're not blowing the doors off teams, but uh, you know, I think we we just have such a a great locker room, and uh, you know, we're just we're buying into what the coaches have to say and what they want us doing. So I think you know our our lunch pail mentality and our you know our, our blue collar makeup of our team is is really uh, working for us. You mentioned not blowing the doors off teams. Uh, last three games have been really close, one-goal games. That's kind of been the M.O. of the NLL in the past couple of weeks. What's giving your team the strength to pull out these one-goal games? Because that can really turn a season around. Yeah, you know, if we lose those three games, we could be in a much different spot than we are now. But, uh, you know, I think I think it just goes back to uh, – guys trusting each other and, and trusting the coaches. And, you know, we, uh, we have a game plan that we put in place at the beginning of the week. We, uh, we have a scouting report that we have sent out and, you know, guys are just buying into what, what uh, the coaches say that we, we need to do to be successful. And, you know, with it, in those tight games where, when we're able to, to stick to stick to those game plans and, and come out with wins, I think that just shows the character that we have in our room. As a goaltender, would you rather play in an eight, seven game or like a 16, 15 game? Uh, eight seven, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's it, that game on the weekend was awesome. Uh, you know, Christian Del Bianco played great for Calgary in that other end, and you know, it's 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 fun to go into to have those kind of goalie battles in the NLL, where you know you see time and time again the the offensive stars uh, seem to seem to have their ways with us, and uh, to be able to have a low scoring game like that was uh, it was a lot of fun. Do you if when you watch other goaltenders, you mentioned you know it's a good goalie battle and. And there's the quote-unquote goalie union. And you guys are all cheering for each other quietly. Um, you know, who, what other goalies in leagues do you like watching? What styles of, of guys do you like to watch? You know, I I, uh, I really enjoy, I, there's no real goalie in particular. I, I I like to watch more than the other. You know, I, if there's the game on, I'm I'm always watching uh, watching what the what goalies are doing, what what makes them successful, and you know, I I love to. Uh, to uh, pick at pick and prod at, at what other goalies are doing to see what I can add into my game to make me successful. But um, you know, I think uh, I think a goalie that would be most relatable to me or would have the most similar style to me would be like a Mike Poulin. Yeah. But uh, again, you know, like uh, I think you need to you need to have a, a bunch of different tools to be successful in this league. So I I, I enjoy watching every every goalie play. Speaking of Christian Del Bianco, obviously just you know his second sort of full year in the league. He's been in the league for uh, a while. Still got. Or, or crazily enough, still has a year of junior left. But um, a lot of people say he's the future of this game. What did you like uh, about his game? Really seeing him uh, for the second time in your career. You know what? You know what really impressed me was uh, I think I think we scored our first three shots of the game against yeah. uh, against them this weekend, and you know the the score ended up being only uh, eight eight seven. So. You know, it really could have gone uh, a different route, uh, route there, but uh, you know, he he settled in, and uh, he's just so calm and, and poised in the net. I, I loved, uh, I loved uh, how um, how he doesn't seem to get rattled. And you know, it's it's just, that's the thing about this league. You know, you're going to get scored on, but it's just how uh, how do you react, and you know, how are you going to move forward from that? So you know, I, I really was really impressed with the the poise that he had. Your season, along with the team, has been a little up and down. How would you grade your your performance so far in, in 2018? Um, you know, I would give myself a B, B minus. You know, I think yeah. uh, I think uh, I think I've been playing pretty well. Um, but at the same time, you know, I always I always strive to be the best. I want to be I want to be the best goalie um, to play the game, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the the mentality that I have. And you know, I think this season I've had some stretches uh, that I've been really strong, and you know, there's there's games where I've been good in parts, and then uh, you know I've been inconsistent in other parts. And you know, I think I think these last uh, few games, I, I feel that I have uh, uh, been more consistent and been mm-hmm. more steady for for my team. And you know, I I, I think that uh, I'm treading the right way right now. Two weeks ago, you, you got the weekend off, uh, uh, the second game of a doubleheader. Uh, and your backup, Steve Fryer, went in, and he had a career-defining game. 
How cool is it to see his performance firsthand from the bench? You know, that was awesome. I was so excited for him. Uh, you know, I really didn't know how little he had played in uh, in the league before before that game. I didn't even realize that that was his first career start. So yeah. to be able to see him go in like that um, and do, do what he was able to do with us coming off of a, a doubleheader, you know, like our guys were gassed. Like it yeah. was not a, it wasn't an easy, an easy weekend from us coming from the East coast back to Denver. And, you know, for him to come out, let in seven goals, have like 45 saves, something like that was, yeah. you know, it was, it was awesome to see. I was so excited for him. And, you know, our whole, our whole room was just pumped for him. And then, you know, Rowan Kelly getting his first game in too. It was, it yeah. was an awesome, awesome game to be a part of. What makes um, a, a backup goaltender's role so successful and important? Like you've been uh, the number one guy since coming in the league, but in your career, you've you've been the guy, the secondary guy that's had to be sort of the cheerleader, the gate opener, and the guy out taking the first and last shots. But what really makes a back a backup goaltender important? I think it's just that support. You know, yeah. um, you know, even when uh, when things are going may not be going right or going well. Um, just have just to know that I have the support from uh, from Fryer um, has been awesome this year. You know, there's been times where I'm coming to the bench and I, I I'm just pissed off at myself, and you know I, I'm pissed off about a couple goals that I may have let let in uh, uh, the last stretch. Yeah. You know, he's standing there saying, like, you know, he he just pumps me up. He's he's telling me, you know, that you know he knows how I, I can turn it around. He knows that I'll have the next one. Just those kind of things, and just how supportive he is is uh, is really awesome to see. And, you know the the our whole team is has each other's back, but you know the fact that Fryer is just he's there for everyone. He's taking shots before practice. He's taking shots after practice. He's just he's the ultimate team guy. He'll do literally anything for mm-hmm. for anyone. He, he wants you to do if someone wants him to play a specific style in that, he'll change it up for you. He, <laughs> yeah. He someone just needs someone needs a, a couple extra shots when he he's done. You know he'll stick around for a little bit extra just to just to make sure the guys are, are ready for our game. He's no, there's literally nothing bad I can say about Steve Ryder. There's been a few extra guys uh, relocated to Denver this year. Steve Keel just moved down there. Ryan Benesh is down there. How good is it to have a, a strong core group of guys living in the Denver area? You guys can get together all week long. Yeah, it's great. You know, we uh, we actually had a workout here this morning with, uh, with Joel Razor, our, uh, our strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, we, all, we actually all live within uh, a couple blocks of each other. Uh, minus Jeremy Noble, who's he's a he's a, and Brad Self, who are a couple a bit farther out to, from the downtown core than the rest of us. But uh, you know it's great. We see each other two, three, four times a week. Uh, we watch film together. Um, you know, guys are coaching together. And then you know, on the other side of it, we're we're able to uh, have a, an appearance in the uh, in the community, and mm-hmm. we're able to get out and uh, do some things with uh, with different different sponsors, and you know we we have our uh, lacrosse out cancer uh, game coming out coming up soon. So we're uh, we've got our events that we're doing with, to prep for that, and uh, it's great. You know, it's the more the more guys that we have in the city of Denver, I think it's the better off it is for everyone. And I like the fact uh, of the amount of guys that are coaching down there. Uh, you're with Rock Canyon. How's the club looking this year? Uh, good, good. You know, we had our first weekend, uh, first uh, regular season weekend uh, this past weekend. Uh, we went two and zero, so we're we're off to a good start. And uh, you know, we got a, a very hungry group of guys who, uh, you know, they, they they play like they have something to prove. So I'm excited for this season. And uh, you know, um, these guys these guys work extremely hard. So I, I'm excited for them. I'm excited to see what they're they're able to do. Uh, You're. Yeah, your former captain John Gallant is uh, head coach with you. What makes Johnny such uh, such a good high, uh, head coach at that level? I think it's just his background in teaching. He's uh, you know he's so good at at explaining things to uh, different types of people, right? Like you know you know you know how it is. Not everyone mm-hmm. is uh, can be coached the same way, and you know the way Johnny uh, can uh, really take a step back, and you know he can explain one thing to a group of people, and then a, the you know, say a couple of the kids on the team aren't aren't uh, picking up on things the same way. He's he's very good at explaining the same thing in a completely different way, so that they'll understand. You know, his he's, his patience and his knowledge for the game are uh, are second to none. So you know, he's just got he's the the complete package when it comes to coaching. When you uh, go against some of your teammates, is there obviously a, a pretty big rivalry? Um, I don't know if I'd say pretty big rivalry, but you know, we're all competitors and we all want to yeah. win, so. 
you know, it doesn't happen often, but uh, we definitely we definitely want to beat each other. <laughs> you guys uh, have two big games coming up against Vancouver the next couple weeks. Obviously, divisional games are important, but more important, uh, you guys have a playoff spot. You still have Saskatchewan in your grasp, and momentum going forward is huge. Definitely, and, uh, you know, we, we don't want to look too far ahead. Obviously, you know, Vancouver, you know, on paper we should win, but the, the thing with the NLL is anyone can beat mm-hmm. anyone any given night. So, you know, we can't be sitting here looking at the record thinking that we've got this one in the bag. We know that if, if, we, uh, if we, we don't show up and, and we don't play a, a complete game, that Vancouver is more than capable then to, uh, to stealing a game, maybe even two off of us. So, you know, we, we can't be fooled by the record. We have, to, we have to prepare this week just like we would any other. You're a former, former Orangeville Northman. Uh, they had their alumni weekend this past weekend. Did you kind of wish you were there with the boys? Yeah, of course. You know, it's a great, it's a great weekend. It's always fun to, to uh, see all the, you know, all my former teammates and, and uh, guys who played before me and after me. Uh, it's, a, it's a great organization. Uh, it's just such a family feel when you get to go back to, uh, to Orangeville and, and hang out with all those guys. And, it's, uh, you know, they put on a great, the uh, Orangeville North and Alumni Association puts on a great, uh, a great event year after year. Uh, before we let you go, um, goaltenders, uh, are always the targets of shooters, but, uh, they've often been getting in the way of guys diving across the crease. We noticed, uh, in the Toronto game, uh, there was a five minute major for goaltender interference handed out, which I hadn't seen, uh, in quite some time. Do you think the National Cross League is doing a good enough job protecting goaltenders? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously been a, it's an emphasis call in the NLL this year. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a gray area because oftentimes when someone is diving into the crease, there's, there's going to be a defender um, right on his back. And uh, it's, really, it's really hard for a ref to, to tell whether that is a – he is being pushed into the, cre- into the goaltender or if it, he's self-propelled into the goaltender. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the refs – are doing uh, a pretty good job in, in handing out these penalties. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to see that, that five minutes. You know, goaltenders, you know, we're so vulnerable uh, because we're, we're obviously, first off, we need to be worried about stopping the ball. And then, uh, secondly, we're expected to uh, protect ourselves too. So it's, yeah. it's a very, very gray area. I'm glad that the league is uh, recognizing that it's something that they need to, uh, you know, focus on a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, I'd say the refs are, are doing a pretty good job uh, just her, uh, deciding what is uh, a push into the goalie and what is, uh, you know, self-propelled uh, dive into the goalies. Are you excited about expansion coming up next year? Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, I think uh, I think it's great for the league. Um, you know, it, 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 it's great to see lacrosse growing um, like it is down here in the States. But, you know, the league, the NLL has been the same for, for what feels like forever. So to – to see the, the league expanding to uh, San Diego and Philadelphia is going to be awesome. Uh, you know, obviously I'm very close with Steve Govett down, the, down there with the San Diego group. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do down there. And uh, I think it's going to give guys who, uh, you know, probably have the, the skill to be in the NLL uh, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to get more mm-hmm. eyes on the league, which it, I, I don't think can hurt anyone. That's Dylan Ward of the Colorado Mammoth. He recorded his seventh NLL win between the pipes this weekend. Two wins behind his good buddy Evan Kirk. As the goaltenders will be on watch for the rest of the year and see see whose game steps up in these final six weeks of the National Lacrosse League season. Because as much as momentum and your team playing at a strong level is important, I think having your goaltender's game on point, maybe even more important. And you heard Dylan and I talking about um, our goalies being protected enough. If you can go back and watch all the games, I would imagine that at least once in every single contest, an offensive player comes crashing through the crease, makes contact with the goaltender. And you heard Dylan say, and this is very true, is that it's very hard for the officials to understand what's intentional and what's not. And what is caused by contact with a defender and what's not. Because there's always such chaos going around the crease when guys 
are going vertical or horizontal for that matter across the cage. And it has been a focus call for the National Lacrosse League this year. We saw the five-minute major called in the game on the weekend, in the Toronto game. And I believe as Rob Hellyer got a five-minute major for running into uh, Aaron Bold. To me, I didn't think it was a five-minute major. I actually thought he got hit from behind. And it is a very tough discretion call for the officials because I can guarantee you that at this point in time in the National Lacrosse League, there are there isn't one single offensive player that thinks when they're diving across the crease, I'm going to go right at the goaltender. They understand that if they go diving head first, body first, whatever you want, right at the goaltender, that they are going to get beat up. It's a no-doubter. But what we're seeing now is guys are aware of that and they understand what the repercussions would be. And so they are doing everything they can to avoid goaltenders. Watch how many times guys come in and get clean shots and their bodies are going through the crease and they have to make a quick step just to make sure they avoid goaltender contact. Nine times out of ten, when the contact does happen, it's because a defenseman has guided his check into his goaltender. Now, I'm not saying defenders are purposely doing that. That's just what they're taught to do. You play defense. You hit a guy. He's driving the net. You keep checking and checking and push him as far away from the net as you can. And sometimes, body weight, positioning, however it works, guy gets underneath you or over top, your force of checking him and his momentum going forward will take you into the goaltender. And I think at the same time, defenders are understanding that as well. And that's why we haven't seen too many guys get beat up because there has been a lot of goaltender contact this year. And again, it's not intentional. It's just the position of players. And I've watched a lot of film on a lot of games from many years. And a lot of times... Goaltenders, I'm not, aren't at fault, but again, positionally and how they play the game is to stand out and cut off an angle. And as a goaltender, if you're stepping out from your crease or your cage or your goal line to cut down the angle, and a forward is coming at you as hard as they can, pretty much on the same angle, you're bound to have contact. And so it is a very tough position for the officials to be in. And I don't think, barring barring the dive, that it's ever going to be an easy call. Sure, there are some times where a guy just is running through and isn't touched and make contact. Again, not intentional. It's just the angle that he's on. Yeah, that can be called. But I think most times when a player hits a goaltender, it's because he's hit into the goaltender. So, it's a really tough spot. And in a game a couple weeks ago, the game, um, the Twitter game in Saskatchewan, the Dinsdale goal, he actually scored, and the follow-through of his stick hit Brody McDonald in the helmet, and he got a penalty. So, we've seen everything from goals counting with a penalty to guys being hit into the goaltender, getting majors, to everything in between. So... I have to give, just like Dylan did, you got to give the refs some credit because that's one of those hard judgment calls to make. And you can't, that's not like something you can go and have a review on. Much opposite of, you know, crease violation for goals. So it's a split decision. And while referees are trying to watch the crease to make sure there's no crease violation, they also have to try and be watching the contact from defender onto forward to see if it's in, if it's on purpose or accidental or caused by contact. So it, it it's something that I've kind of been watching for quite a while because it, it's it is not an epidemic. It is a very dangerous play that can put a lot of goaltenders at risk. And we've seen a lot of goalies get hurt because of that. 
Now, it's a testament to the great shape that a lot of these guys are in that they're able to bounce back and get right back up and continue playing because some of the contact they're making, especially around the legs, the knees, the ankles, however it may be, these guys are able to get right back up and continue playing. So, again, there is a very minute section of players intentionally running at goaltenders. So... Let's not say that it is intentional. Let's just say that it is everybody going full speed. It's the pace of our game. It's the style of game that the NLL has become. It is the way the game is being played, and everybody is at risk. So it, it's, it truly blows my mind that the players have been able to keep their cool this long with all of the diving that's been going on and all the contact that players have been making with their goaltenders because a few years ago it didn't matter if you literally if a guy was standing on top of the crease and I ran from behind and cross-checked him in the back and he went tumbling into my goaltender it's completely my fault but that guy is getting beat up for hitting my goal that's just the way it was now again for all that know me I was never the guy beating anybody up but that was just the mentality you hit my goaltender you're getting you're getting fought and now it's, hey, man, let me punch you in the shoulder, or give you a smack in the back of the head, or just grab your jersey a little bit and say, don't do it again. And that's just, that's the league now. So kudos to everybody involved because that's a, that's a tough spot to be in because you don't want your goalie to get hurt, but you don't want people to take free runs at your goaltender. You don't want to put your team down at the same time, by taking a dumb penalty. So just kind of a thing that I've been watching, and, and when Dylan and I were talking about that um, on the weekend, uh, it was just something that kind of had, had sparked a thought through my brain and, and how it all worked out. So that's the second game of the weekend. And two games Saturday night. Now we get to a Sunday matinee in Toronto. And I will be honest and say that I didn't think there would be that great of a crowd at the ACC for a Sunday afternoon game. I was wrong, and it was one of their best crowds of the year, almost 10 and a half in attendance, and another game that kind of flip-flopped and went back and forth. Toronto was up one nothing, I believe, on the first shot of the game, and uh, Brian Shanahan um, noted that the Black Wolves often give up a goal on the first shot of the game, which is a kind of a weird factoid, but it is true. If you go back and watch their games, they do give up the first goal quite a bit. Uh, and then they gave up four straight, did Toronto, including a natural hat trick from Kevin Buchanan and the fourth to Kyle Buchanan right at the end of the first quarter. And then that's when it kind of just got a little bit tighter. Both defenses, again, Toronto's defense um, was good most of that game, as was New England's. And both goaltenders put on an absolute clinic, did Nick Rose and Aaron Bold collectively. Um, Boldy had 51 saves, as did Nick Rose. Quick math, that's 102 kids. Almost identical save percentages and shots. Uh, Toronto had one less shot on goal. Uh, the one extra shot came in overtime. And that was the Kevin Crowley game winner just two minutes into the extra frame to steal a win for New England, help vault them to the top of the NLL East standings. But it was a goal by Brock Sorensen that might have everybody talking. Sprinting, waiting, and off the post. LaTron Harris couldn't convert. Challenge Rogers alone, bold. Somehow he slides over Sorensen, doing a Superman dive, scores! Brock Sorensen off his own rebound using that six foot six wingspan and finally puts one past Aaron Bold. That was just one of many highlights from the weekend and many highlights from that game. Brock Sorensen, that was one heck of a goal, my friend. However, the play that I would have loved to have let you hear again um, was the sequence from Nick Rose to Rob Hellyer. Unfortunately, the audio is double synced, so it's not really going to play very well. 
But if you watch that game, you all remember it. New England, up a goal. It would be the first goal of the fourth quarter. It was the second straight for Toronto after that Sorensen goal. And it's Sports 101. This was what I tweeted out after that. Sports 101. Goalie makes a big save at one end. Generally results in a big goal at the other end. And if the Brock Sorensen goal isn't the play of the game, then it is the save that Nick Rose had who absolutely stoned Kyle Buchanan on the crease. I believe it's Kyle Buchanan. But somehow... Buchanan's able to slip through on the backside. The diagonal feed comes, has a wide open net, and Nick Rose somehow is able to get his stick back and make a remarkable save. Straight robbery from Nick Rose. And then it's two passes down the floor into the stick of Rob Hellier. He takes a high step around his D guy, gets to the middle of the net, sorry, the middle of the floor, takes a shot that beats Aaron Bold, and they're tied 6-6. It was awesome. I absolutely loved that sequence because it shows the true transition from a big save through the transition game up to the forwards into the back of the net. It can happen that quick. The teams would trade goals, setting up Kevin Crowley's winner that beat Nick Rose far corner. And the Black Wolves get an 8 seven victory, and are the NLL East Division leaders. What an unbelievable game. Unfortunately, for the Toronto Rock, they've now lost three straight, and as been documented by Evan Schimenauer at Lax All-Stars on his blog, that the goal differential from Rock with Schreiber to Rock without Schreiber has dropped Dramatically. I believe the Relax crew talked about it as well. With Schreiber, they were averaging like 16, 17 goals a game. Without, they're averaging under 10. So the question that Evan posed was, if Schreiber, and I think we talked about this last week, if Schreiber is out long-term, what does Dowick do? Especially since the trade deadline is Monday. If Schreiber is only maybe a week away, maybe the panic button isn't as close by. Again, that's what makes this trade deadline so interesting because the East is so tight, but there are teams that need help. Who is going to be the first to make a serious play for Corey Small? Does Doug Doug Locker actually deal Corey Small? And I made the comment that if they deal Corey Small, they need picks. A light was shined on that to me by one person that said, picks would be great, but if they can get youth and talent back in that trade, then... Trading Corey Small for, for players is huge. Maybe get some of the BC guys that are on that Rock roster, bring them back west. They've got a couple. Drew Belgrave, Reed Reinholt, Challen Rogers. There is some room there. I don't think Dowick trades Rogers, but you could give up Reed Reinholt and something. Maybe Reinholt and Belgrave for Corey Small. Not sure that's a really equal trade. But that's a possibility. Something needs to be done. And I'm excited for this trade deadline. However, uh, in speaking to a couple GMs, phones have been kind of quiet after the blockbusters that we saw over the past couple of weeks. So by the time we talk in a week's time, the league could be completely shooken up. And I think it would be great, especially with expansion on the horizon. Teams need to start preparing for that to happen because it is coming. 
And we will just wait to see what GMs do over the next six days. The West is slowly shaping up. We have two of three in. Vancouver grasping at straws to get any hope to get in the playoffs. A loss this weekend hurts that quite a bit. A Calgary win and a loss really hurts it. And basically, Vancouver has to win out. Calgary's got to lose out if they're going to have any chance. And for Colorado to get first in the West, they have to beat Saskatchewan in their final meeting and hope the Rush can lose one more game. It is going to be a wonderful finish the rest of the way. couple side notes uh, before we get out of here on a chilly Tuesday. Shout out to the Mercyhurst Lakers for another big win. My alma mater uh, slowly climbing the ranks of the D2 division. I was looking at the D2 rankings um, before I came to the studio today. I just kind of wanted to see where Mercyhurst was and, and if they had moved up after beating Mount Olive. And the Mount Olive part is part of where I'm going with this. Out of the top 20 in the D2 right now, when I was a freshman at Mercyhurst, 12 of those programs didn't even exist. Which is crazy to think about. Because that's just how much D2 has grown. Colorado Mesa. Lenore Rhine, Seton Hill, Tampa, uh, Belmont Abbey, Mount Olive, St. Leo, Mercy, Lindenwood, St. Anselm, Indianapolis, and Lake Erie. None of those programs were around 20 years ago. I believe they only did a top 10 20 years ago. And now you have so many teams, you have to do a top 20. So I love the fact that D2 is growing. Uh, the talents of lacrosse being played there is phenomenal. And I think D2 gets a... It's funny because you have D1, D2, D3, and being the middle brother, D2 is actually like the younger brother of NCAA lacrosse. And I think it's some of the best ball being played. So uh, shout out to Chris Ryan and the whole Mercyhurst staff. Uh, and program for another great win. And moving up the standings to number six. Uh, keep ranking them low, guys, because uh, we're going to keep moving up those standings. And the last juicy nugget of the week comes from the WLA. And it wasn't actually something that I expected to happen, especially this year with the Man Cup being out east as the Maple Ridge Berards announced that Curtis Dixon will be making a return out west. And I was able to tweet out after, not only is this huge for the Berards, because it makes them ridiculously scary now, but it is huge for the WLA in general to have a player the caliber of Curtis Dixon. It's been a while since he has been back. He left a few years ago, played for the Peterborough Lakers, took a run at a man cup, was able to get himself one, and now he's coming back home. And the lineup that the Berards are going to be able to have now with the likes of an offense that includes um, Ben McIntosh, Luke Gillespie, Mike Mallory, Riley Lowen, now you add in Curtis Dixon. Dan Taylor is there. This is an offense that will be very, very scary. And I have a feeling Frank Shiliano is going to be a very motivated goaltender between the pipes, having lost his number one spot in Calgary, Christian Del Bianco. Plus, with NLL expansion, you know, if his name's going to be left off of that Calgary protected roster, He's going to want to make himself known to both Paul Day and to whoever Steve Govett names as a general manager. And an angry Frank Shiliano may not be the best thing for other WLA squads. 
So that was a huge news story coming out of the West that Curtis Dixon um, is back playing for the Berards, and I think it's wonderful um, not only for the Berards but for lacrosse fans in general. That'll do it for another edition of the show here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. Of course, remember, five games on the schedule this weekend, two Friday, two Saturday, one on Sunday. And your Twitter game of the week happens on Saturday. It's Rochester versus Calgary. So you can check all the games on NLL TV. And then Rochester at Calgary is live streaming around the world on Twitter. If you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. Teddy.Jenner at gmail.com is the email. Thank you to Kyle Jackson. Don't forget, check out his website, k47lacrosse.com, or find him on YouTube. And special thanks to The Wall, Dylan Ward, who is fantastic as always. Until next time, take a friend to a game. If you take a friend, take two. The more fun you have, the more fun they will have. Until then, be excellent to each other.